It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Hello, welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm here with Father Chuck. Hey, what's up? And we're talking about Star Trek. Happy Thanksgiving. Now I understand you want to get nerdy. <laughs> I do. I, I want to... I don't really know how it, it sort of started, um, but uh, I started watching Star Trek. Yes, listeners... JP, the moderator of Masters of Divinity, a man who has watched copious amounts of Doctor Who, who um, played the Redemption, who's played Redemption, who's played plenty of, uh, the, the, just the, who had his own, his own text-based Star Wars role-playing game that him and his friends in yes. high school developed. This guy um, has never really watched Star Trek. Not really. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I've watched the movies a ton of times. Yeah. And I love the, I love the old crew movies. And They're so good. Uh, and you know what? I, I, I want to dunk on, and that's what the millennials say these, right? Dunk on them. I want to dunk on those who say that the only good ones are the odd numbered movies. It's not true. There's exactly no. one bad movie in the series of, of the old crew movies and that's final frontier and it's because it's directed by william shatner <laughs> i mean one could one could make the argument jp that uh generations is not a good movie either well i'm talking about the original crew but the kirk's in that movie though uh i mean yeah sure i guess i mean, I I mean it's, 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 it's not... one could make the argument i'm not making the argument one could <laughs> is what i'm saying i, I don't like generations at all <laughs> just say, really, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie <laughs> Um, I really don't like it. I think it's weirdly. Uh, I just don't think it's a very well made movie. Not not that good. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I just started watching. I, I, I'd always wanted to do like a marathon of Star Trek, like just one seven hundred hour long Star Trek marathon, starting with the original series, working all all the way up to Enterprise, um, and maybe even Discovery. Now, who knows? We'll get there. Um, and it's so daunting <laughs> like i'm so afraid i keep like doing these false starts and i've been doing it for years and like the other day i just decided you know what i think i'm just gonna watch like what are perceived to be the best episodes like maybe two of the best episodes from each series um this did not make father fun very happy i realized <laughs> no, <it did> not. <laughs> and what i kind of came to the conclusion was that like 
the original series. I've already seen those episodes before, so I didn't really bother this weekend. But Next Generation, wonderful. Uh, Deep Space Nine, um, just as good. Uh, uh, you're, ba- you're backpedaling a little bit. You, you you were very clear in your messages to us that Deep Space what? Nine was good, but it was not as good as the Next Generation. But you just Did made them that? equivalent. Well, I think it is. I think. I mean, okay. the more I've, I've sat on it, the more I've kind of. I've okay. Just, you know. I mean, you kind of came around after after you got um, the riot act thrown at you by by Father Fun. <laughs> um, Jeez. But anyway, yeah. Well, I still stand by. If he's listening, I still stand by my assessment that Voyager and Enterprise like don't touch Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. At least their best episodes, or what's perceived to be their best episodes, I guess, from the sources I pulled. Um, and 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 you know, it, I think it kind of it it sort of jives with what what's perceived that Enterprise and Voyager were not the best thing that came out of Star Trek. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And I, and I know I, you enjoy them both, and, and I'm sure they it, are enjoyable once you once you kind of start watching them and stuff. I, I I will say, I mean, I had I had my moments of enjoying Voyager, but in retrospect, I realized that like the idea, like the idea of watching Voyager again, yeah. is an exhausting and daunting thought because oh lord, it is so it is. I mean, it's fun. The characters, the crew, I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the crew a lot. Yeah. But it's a show that I feel like it, it, never, really, it never really owned what it wanted to be. I'll probably get myself in trouble for saying this, but I, I may actually enjoy Enterprise more than the original series. <laughs> it's, you know, the original series is, 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 is ancient by this point. Right. We, our our tastes have evolved even more so than like when Enterprise came out, you know, and um, and I, I find it very difficult to sit through original series. Yeah, what I liked about what I really appreciate and, about what I really liked about Enterprise is I really like First Contact, um, yeah. the movies, the Star Trek movie First Contact, and I really like how it bridges the events of Zephyr Cochran into mm-hmm. and then like in so in between that the the events uh, the events of the, the, the Zephyrin Cochran story that takes place in Star Trek First Contact and right. the original series and I really like how it feels like it's our future like right. I, it and being like a NASA nerd as a kid it feels very NASA and that's what I like about mm. that's what I like about it and that, that sense of this is hum- these are humans for the first time really going and exploring the galaxy. That's a that's a piece, a sort of a wide-eyed wonder piece to it that I really enjoyed um, in the show. But right. but in comparison to some of the other, you know, some of the the writing that you see in like the Next Generation um, or Deep Space Nine, it does not hold a candle to it. That is absolutely absolutely true. Right. But anyway, yes. And so you know, I, I like I said, I really enjoyed. I, I mean, I, I loved the two episodes of Watching Next Generation. I really, I really thought that the DS9 episodes of Watch were solid. Voyager was eh. Enterprise was eh. Even though I, I, I what I did like about Voyager Enterprise is I think I like how much better their production design is. Yeah, uh, I think Voyager is my favorite bridge. Voyager is a great bridge. The other thing Voyager has is the theme song is the best theme song in all of in the entire Star Trek. Like, <laughs> that, that is a good one. Um, it, it is. It is better than it has any right to be. Is that a Jerry Goldsmith jam? It is. Uh, of course it was. Of course, of course. Great guy. 
Um, and inter- the enterprise theme, though, oh my lord! Yeah, can you, know, it? you know it's funny. What's funny before, before you get into that? I want to point out that uh, Father Fun pointed out something in the messaging where he said like he does think he experiences a, a certain degree of Stockholm syndrome watching Enterprise. Right. I think that's how people feel about the theme <laughs> because I was reading the Star Trek subreddit where people talk about Enterprise and a lot of threads going like. You know, the theme is starting to really grow on me. I'm like, no, Stockholm Syndrome. That theme sucks. That theme does suck. And actually, <laughs> I, have, I have watched that entire series twice now. <laughs> and and it is – it does not get better. In fact, what's, what's funny is, is – um, so season three of Star Trek Enterprise is when, the, is when they, they go into the Zindi arc, which is where it's all about like – it's a, it's an entire season long arc dealing with this alien race called the Zindi, which is one of the more interesting alien species that they've ever had in in the Star Trek canon. But it's it's dark. It's a very dark season because it deals with like lots of death on Earth and humans responding to that. Right. But for some reason, they decided to make the theme song more upbeat. <laughs> So oh, no. you have these like every like the uh, the the dry opening is all or the cold open bit is always kind of like a dark moody thing and then it's like right into an even more upbeat version of the theme song and it just never fit. And if you've never heard the theme song, audience, um, it's basically it's a Rod Stewart. Song, basically, it's it's a Rod Stewart. It, it it just sounds like a like a song you'd hear at church. <laughs> Not a year church, obviously. Right, no. But no. like at an evangelical church. It sounds like a Christian rock song is what it sounds like. Yeah, it actually really does, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, it's like it's like you're watching Touched by an Angel or something. It's, it's been a long road getting from there to here. <laughs> um, like if Bruce Springsteen just like lost all of his flair. Yeah, and... it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not good. Or Tom Petty. What's what's yeah. great though is um people out there have recut the opening credits of Enterprise but put different music to it and it's can, so much better. It's yeah, so much better. Um but so so you're so all right, well let's get back to your you, you found this to be a daunting task. Um So what I'm doing is I'm I'm I am going to marathon. I started marathoning yesterday officially. I'm not starting with the old series. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say that for another time because I don't feel like it's, I feel like I know enough. I've seen the original movies enough. I've read enough about the old series and like, you know, like birth movies death is, has taught me a lot about Star Trek anyway. Yeah, and memory <laughs> and alpha is blogs. a great memory. Alpha is a great resource. I go there a lot actually. Um, so I, I'm going to start with next generation and just work my way forward. Oof. And then one day I'll call, I'll revisit the original series. Just I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you doing those first two seasons of Next Generation. Please pray for me because I'm on episode three of Next Generation, and oh my god, two was bad. Which one's the naked now? Is that two? That was two. Yeah, I mean that's when... what. A, what a horrible idea to start your series off with, by the way, after the pilot. Yeah, bad idea. Oh my gosh. And I'm I'm now reading like apparently like when it first came when when Next Generation first came, came out like when they aired that episode it was like the series sucks <laughs> this was a bad idea right apparently it had a lot of detractors back then oh yeah it took yeah and I mean the thing is you also have to worry about I never realized I so I watched Star Trek when I was in elementary school but I Next Generation when it was on TV 
But I came to it in like the last three seasons. So right. I'm much more familiar with later Next Generation than I ever was with early Next Generation. So when I go back and I watch, I, my attitude with Next Generation, I just sort of pick and choose episodes and I watch as I, as I please. I don't, I haven't tried the marathon Next Generation because. And I, and I, yeah. And, and I feel like it's, it's, that's, that's the great thing about old school television. Yeah. But. Uh, I don't know. Just I just feel like it'd be fun to take the journey. It's a journey well, I've never taken before. Yeah. Well, the point I, the, what I was going to mention to you is I had never I never experienced um, how annoying Wesley Crusher was as a character <laughs> until okay. I started watching this around again. I'm like, oh my gosh, every episode has this kid with like some stupid invention fixing things. This is the most. <laughs> and that I will say though, that sweater is awesome. I really uh-huh. like that kid's like rainbow sweater. I would wear that. But the. Yeah, it's um, whew. so. Yeah, I, I I'll be excited when you get to Deep Space Nine because it is such a great show. I am, and I you know I really like those episodes I watched, and um, Avery Brooks, hell of an actor. Oh man, Avery Brooks is I think he's the best captain. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I I'm really intrigued by the by the Kardashian subplot. Cardassian. Cardassian, sorry. <laughs> Kana corrected. Kana was always correcting me on that because I, I would do the same thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my Star Trek journey is fun. I'm, in addition, I'm also watching, kind of watching the Orville. Yes. Uh, which has turned out to be very surprisingly good. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, and I don't want to hear any criticism <laughs> because I'm really I'm enjoying it too much. Well, and that's I, that's what the thing gets me about the Orville is how, and I think I've said this to you already that on the on the show that either people are mad at it because it's not Family Guy in space, or that it's not straight up Star Trek or something like I don't know. It just it's, it's, it, it, it reminds me of like Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's it's that kind of feel to it. Like it's not like a it's not like a wacky comedy, like you know, straight up parody, or like Spaceballs or something. You know, it's it's like someone made Next Generation, but they decided to make it funnier. Right. And what's what's interesting is as the show progresses, the jokes get they they become less they they feel less forced and they become more organic to what's going on in the show. Yeah. And um, and they're and they're really rooted in just like typical office stuff. And it and what I love about it is yeah. having watched a lot of Star Trek, it deals with the stuff that um, that you see on the like you watch Star Trek and you and you're like their technology never really breaks down the way ours do. Like no one drops a call. Like you know there's never that yeah. kind of stuff. But that happens on the Orville. I also think what's interesting is that about the show so far. I've only watched about three and a quarter of an episode so far, but. What I'm, what I'm liking about it is that uh, what Star Trek doesn't really do very much, uh, they probably have a few times, you're probably more familiar than I am, but I feel like Star Trek takes a more definitive stance on certain issues, mm-hmm. where the Orville, like, you think they're going to take a definitive stance, but then they kind of leave it open for you to decide at the end of the episode. Right. Well, what I'm really surprised is that even early on in the show, there are episodes where it, the, 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 the ending is not a happy ending. Right. The one I'm thinking about the most is the third episode I just watched where they yeah, had yeah, yeah. The, the two male characters had like a, a baby girl. Right. And that like the planet ordains that she has to have a sex change. Right. Because their species is that they're all males. And right. that, yeah. And, and like the, the fact that that episode ends with them going through the sex change. Yeah. Was, I thought, 
a really profoundly bold move for the third episode of that show. Right. And it's very like, <laughs> we're not saying like, it's okay for kids to have sex and like babies have sex changes. Um, the, right. the episode is like, people aren't happy about it. Like they're pretty pissed off about it. Right. And, it, and it, it's tragic. That's the, it, it, it yeah. plays it as a tragic, as a tragic dimension. And that like, whereas I think if, if next generation had handled that episode, yeah, the ending would have been, the, the no sex change would have happened and we would have been preached at about how wrong it was and how, you know, our ideals are better and blah, 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 blah. Kind of um, reinforcing what we already believe. Right. Whereas this is like, it does it to use a Greek theology term. It does it apophatically. Like it, it, mm. it, it shows the negative dark side, the tragedy in what, what lots of people who live transgender lives kind of have to experience. Right. Where doctors have made decisions like or, you know, have made decisions about their bodies and their and their gender identity without any kind of input or consent. And it's, you know, so it, by by playing it bare, it allows us to say, like, oh, wow, this is messed up. Right. Um, but I thought it was really bold for them to end it on that note rather than the triumphant. Like, because I was watching it, I'm like with my Star Trek lens, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, this, oh, wow, they're going to have a girl, and it's going to be like, oh no, they're not going that route. That's pretty shocking. Yeah, and actually, it kind of brought me back to like what we were talking about um, with Amanda and her film that we watched, and how she said that uh, she wasn't very interested in delivering a message with her films; that she was more interested in telling a story. And showing you the consequences and, you know, you kind of decide for yourself, like, yeah, and I got to say, which is I, something I've been thinking a lot about. So, yeah, well, and, and that's and it all leads to the fact that I love that the Star Trek fandom has basically made the joke that the Orville is the actual Star Trek show on TV right now. And Star <laughs> Trek Discovery I, is, is, is yeah. an outlier. Yeah, and it's it, and it's they're they're both pretty far ahead, right? Are they both at like their sort of season finale, their half season finales at this point? Uh, Discovery is. Um, I don't. It, it hit it already. Apparently, um, I've not been watching Discovery. I know nothing about the show because um, yeah, I, I'm not going to get CBS All Access. Um, yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm starting to take as hard a stance as you are, Chuck. After I've watched all these all these Star Trek episodes and the Orville and stuff, and then I, I tried firing up discovery after all of that and i was like this doesn't feel right yeah i i, I mean I'll, i i mean i was i was pirating the episode that's not what i meant when I, this doesn't feel right <laughs> i just meant i'm watching this i'm like this is wrong like we shouldn't we shouldn't be going back like keep going like keep going forward there's no reason for a prequel here that doesn't make any sense right and this and i'm watching this thing i was like why isn't this in the future this doesn't look anything like the 10 years before uh, the Enterprise, or ten years before the original series. Bitch, by the way, I learned that ten years before the original series, the Enterprise is already flying around out there. Right. So, like, people are already in those flashy uniforms. Right. And the, that weird production design. While this this thing is like two hundred years in the future, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything dramatically or story wise, but it's for a fan. It's like this isn't this isn't for me. Whereas, yeah. whereas what's funny is, is if you listen to the timeline, the way it's laid out in the Orville, the Orville is set something like a hundred years after the time frame of the next generation. Really? Yeah. So technically like the Orville is like further in the future 
<laughs> so it's, it's it's to me it's basically because when um when Paramount was announcing that they were um that they were making a new Star Trek show or CBS I take it back CBS was saying they were going to make a new Star Trek show because they, they they're all split up now um, yeah to, CBS, CBS has TV rights Paramount has movie rights um that there were a lot of rumors abounding and I know Seth MacFarlane was campaigning hard to make the show like that's what he wanted to do he wanted to make a star trek he wanted to make star trek because he, he'd been trying to get um, paramount or cbs to green light a star trek show for a couple of years before then and obviously he didn't get it and so i i take it that he was like well fine i'll just write my own star trek show yeah i could see that and it's fun to kind of figure out like which alien species are kind of you know, which ones are winking at other ones in Star Trek and different things like that. But it is its own yeah. show. It stands on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I really love it. I really love the Orville. It's the one show that I look forward to every week to watch. Totally. And I, I think it's the best thing Seth MacFarlane's ever done. Absolutely. And I say that with someone as someone who has a very shaky relationship with Seth MacFarlane. Because I, I really I haven't liked anything he's done in years. Ted surprised me. Ted, other than that, Ted was really funny. Both of them, even like I, I didn't bother seeing the second one, and I just saw it on TV and I watched it. And I was surprised at how much I laughed. But a million ways to die in the West, I hated that movie. Like I wanted to leave. I, just, I did not laugh at all. Yeah. But the Orville, amazing. And I think, and I saw that uh, uh, Braga. Brand, yeah, Ben and Braga. He, he's is he working on episodes or is he one of the executive producers? I saw his name on one of the. Yeah, episodes. he's producing. He's also directing. Uh, John Favreau is like a consultant. Yeah. Uh, the episode that you watched with the transgender that was directed by Jonathan Frakes, man. Really? Yeah. This is the real Star Trek. Yeah, Not the that second the, the second episode was uh, directed by um um oh what's his name uh, I can't think of the actor's name right now um, but he's guy played Tom Paris on Star Trek Voyager the Navigator. Oh my gosh, that's um, really funny. I'm sure the helmsman on on Voyager, um, and I think I think Roxanne uh, Roxanne Dawson, um, who plays Belana Torres on Voyager, she's like directed tons of Star Trek shows. I think she's set to direct one in the uh, in a, in the coming uh, thing. That is um, that's crazy, and and like I was saying, Terry, I think you're right. Like I I don't think I I was I was going to wait until like all the episodes were going to be released and then sign up for that one week free trial of CBS access and watch them. I don't even want to do that. Like, I don't want to touch CBS access. I, I, they need to get the message. Like what they're doing is stupid. It is stupid, and, especially like, when every country in the world gets it on Netflix. Yeah. And not only that, it's, it's in the wrong hands. I think CBS is the wrong hands for them. They're not. No. Yeah. I mean, I want to but see it because I want to see what they're doing with it. Um, because I'm hearing that it gets much better as it goes yeah. on. But I, I don't know, like, the fact that I see all these familiar names attached to the Orval is like, ah, oh, this yeah. is Star Trek, man. Like, they get it. And, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, Brandon Braga has, um, has directed, I think, two episodes so far. But, yeah, like I said, Jonathan Frakes directed the third episode. I mean, uh, John Favreau directed the pilot. Yeah, um, which I, I know about their relationship. It's it's pretty interesting. But uh, um, but yeah. But in case you you are, in case you're not aware, here is these names. <laughs> yeah. Brendan Braga was the showrunner for Enterprise, right? Yeah, and he was. I mean, he was one of the writers on Next Generation. I mean, he's been with Star Trek since yeah. Next Generation. Yeah, 
And then Jonathan Frakes played Riker. Riker, who directed Star Trek First Contact and um, yeah. uh, the uh, uh, Insurrection. Right. And uh, and, and um, Thunderbirds. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, uh, big, big time Star Trek supporter. Um, I, I also, also, I am not entirely convinced, uh, by the way, JP, that on the Orville, that the voice of um, the android is not actually Brent Spiner. I know, right? It sounds so much a, like he, him. He's doing a really good Brent Spiner impression. Yeah. And you know what's funny is I actually thought that, like, I, it also kind of reminded me of Doug Jones a little bit. Okay. But then I found out Doug Jones is actually playing a character on Discovery. <laughs> okay. And because I, I was listening to it, and I'm like, he sounds just like Abe Sapien. Oh my gosh, it is Abe Sapien. <laughs> there's um um, there's also uh um, let's see, Charlize Theron is in an episode. Really? <laughs> on the Orville. Um, yeah, there's actually some big, big actors. There's one actor I don't want to spoil for you because they show up at the very end of an episode. Yeah, but, and you know what? What I'm also just kind of discovering about Star Trek, which I think is sort of really only exclusive to Star Trek. And I haven't really seen in any other fandom, although yeah, no other fandom I could think of, which is um, they're really good at fan fiction. <laughs> like there, I, I think there are fans who probably know Star Trek as much as like people who are actually writing it. Oh, totally. And I, I know that because I started reading um, a fan script today called Star Trek Uncharted. Have you heard of this? No. There's a whole story behind this. I want to get into this. No, we went ahead. I know we've, we've talked a long time about Star Trek, but I'm not done. <laughs> Are you okay? Is that all right? I, bro, you're talking. I just wish we had Funston here. <laughs> yeah, I do too. We will. Wait, we should have another Star Trek episode. We, we, we should have more. We should have a whole bunch. We should just do a whole bunch of Star Trek episodes. We should um, just we should just become the unofficial Star Trek podcast because <laughs> is Jordan Hoffman still doing that thing? Is that thing still around? It actually it is. I think oh, it is. Okay. Especially now, yeah. Um, so I found out about this title called Star Trek Uncharted. Apparently, the guy behind it wrote the um, Star Trek Voyager Elite Force video game. Oh, okay, I remember that game? That was fun. That was a fun and game. He did this whole package called, and um, where he wrote like his own series that took place way into the future, like 200 years after Kirk, I think. And it's about the Enterprise. Uh, or the Federation becoming the Galactic Federation after defeating the Romulan Empire in a really horrible war. And so the Federation has become like basically a police force. They don't really explore anymore. And so they decide to go out to the Andromeda Galaxy, send a new enterprise onto the, onto the Andromeda Galaxy. Well, it's called Star Trek Uncharted, but it had a different title a few years ago. It was called Star Trek Beyond. Oh. And actually, I think it was, I don't know if it was CBS or Paramount, or maybe they were together at the time, but apparently they approached the guy, and they let him pitch the actual series to them. Um, they didn't pick it up, naturally. Right. Uh, but, but they took his name. <laughs> they, they, he let them have the name. That's, where, that's, how they, that's how they were able to get Star Trek Beyond. It's now Star Trek Uncharted, and it's actually pretty good. Like it's it's more of like an expedition type story, yeah. Which um, Star Trek is kind of supposed to be, right? I mean, yeah. It's, well, and um, I mean, I um 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 ah, I had a thought and I lost it. 
um, just forget it. Just forget it. Whatever. Just oh, okay. I was going uh, related to the to the shows. I mean, the one thing that's really disappointing to me about Star Trek Discovery is that the way Star Trek Discovery was initially pitched um, was that it was going to be an anthology series. I remember that. That's yeah. what Brian Fuller uh, wanted it to be. Um, where every season would be set in a new timeline or a different or a different not a new timeline, a different point of Federation history, which, you know, could mean that they could do a season set after the time of next generation, or they could do a season yeah. happening alongside of next generation, or they could do one that's happening just after the time of enterprise, or they could be doing right. one, you know, and, as you get into the show, you're gonna it's gonna frustrate you, JP, because there are so many little things that that they don't they don't resolve in these series that you're thinking, oh my gosh, like they could do a whole they could do a right. season about that, um, you know, because one of the things that they're setting up in at they they start setting up in Enterprise, and one of the things that they wanted to do if the show continued longer was to get into the Earth Romulan War, like oh yeah, well you could have done a whole they could do an anthology, but no, they want to stick with this weird thing that they've got going, and they're just gonna keep going. Like with this timeline that they're, or with this point of the history they're doing, and uh, you know, it is kind of a a frustrating thing that they keep going back, and I just can't figure out who the show is really targeted for because if it's meant for Star Trek fans, the, as you just mentioned, these are people who know more about the show than some of the writers. Yeah, yeah, and they're nitpicky. I'm a Star <laughs> Trek fan. I'm a nitpicker, and. If you're going to have this, if you're going to have Klingons with ridges on their heads, you're going to have to give me a friggin' good reason why that is. Dude, the Klingons are so beyond ridges. Like, they're like, like lizard people at this point Yeah, <laughs> in, like, in the, on the show. Like, if they're working with, like, a, it's a particular house or something, then that's cool. Yeah. But, you know, you got you to gotta, come on. But for Star Trek fans, you've got to account for all of that stuff. You can't, this is the one franchise that you cannot throw continuity out the window. Yeah, because... and it's unfortunate. We we really care about it, yeah. Um, and the continuity is like kind of what makes it special. Like, yeah, the nitpicky aspects. It's like the one show you can be nitpicky about, and it's like kind of fun. Yeah, because it's the it's the few. It's one of the few shows where like people have sat down to try to figure out how a warp drive works, and yeah. they try to because like the engineer is a main character in almost every Star Trek show, and so the engineer has to be able to realistically communicate the 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 mechanics of this ship in various right. places to, to, to give realism i'm sorry i know that you criticize the trek no babble um <laughs> i love trek no babble i i think i think it has its place but there are there are times in the early episodes where it's like it's not presented in any kind of dramatic fashion they kind of let it do its own work. They kind of let it do its own heavy lifting. And I think at that point, it's like, it's not very interesting. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, um, I was, I was a kid who owned, who owned technical manuals, Star Trek techno, technical manuals. Well, that's different. I mean, that's, you know, you know, kind of interactive way. Like I, I own technical, I own, well, I mean, you know, Star Wars technical manuals, but I, it's not the same. I kind of, <laughs> I think I had one of those too, but I was, I don't know. I just, it didn't interest me as much. They weren't very helpful to me in my pursuits. So, I had to... anyway, uh, <laughs> I needed more technical stuff. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then, and I don't know. There's this great article on Birth Movies Death about how 
the industry is obsessed with giving us prequels and and not so much reboots, but like, and they use they use Star Trek Discovery as as a big um, example of why we just can't seem to move forward anymore. Right. And news, and I just sent you guys news today that it be it's it's officially done. Amazon is doing a Lord of the Rings TV show, right? For their for. Yeah. yeah, and it's set before, it's, set it's before the the, uh, the the events of Fellowship of the Ring, right? And that that makes me curious because even though there's like a whole thing already written throughout the entire history of Middle Earth, they they keep saying the word new storylines. Like, what does new storylines mean? Like, are you are you, good, are you gonna have a bunch of writers try to come up with their own Hobbit stories or something? Like, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how it plays out because if like Christopher Tolkien's involved with it, okay, that's cool because he's done a lot of work with his dad's history. And do you know how much Amazon spent to get the rights from from Tolkien with the Tolkien estate? No, two hundred fifty million dollars. Oh my gosh! For the rights, they better do something good with that. Yeah, and it better not be uh, the Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. The the Tolkien estate is involved because they they finished their whole lawsuit thing where they won like 80 million dollars from warner brothers yeah and i will say that that's a that's a group of people who who they very much care about how that stuff is going to be presented so i imagine it'd be pretty respectful to Hopefully. what they're wanting to do i mean i understand that the that that, that i mean that lord of the rings video game is fantastic yeah, that's what i'm hearing too but even though they they do take a lot of like nitpicky liberties like apparently i don't know correct me if i'm wrong can it can an orc be an, an, a necromancer no, I think they're too stupid to use magic. <laughs> well, apparently that's in the video game, and that's pissed a lot of people off. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're printed, they're presented as pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, but I mean, so, I, but, but the thing is, it's like they made they made Arwen they made Arwen a main character a major character in Fellowship. Peter Jackson made her, and I know some people are really upset with that, but eh, eh, I don't care. Yeah, that one's yeah. fine. That one doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. As I was saying, you know, I think I don't think that there is a clamoring for prequels. Like, there's not a clamoring for we going should, back. I think we just, but I think, but, I, but at the same time, I think we just kind of roll with it. We should dedicate an episode to this topic. Yeah. Yes. To prequels and not moving forward. Yeah. Not, not. not I mean, we've talked about nostalgia before, but like, I think, I think something exists outside of nostalgia, in this in this context. Don't you think? Yeah, no, totally. And I, 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 cause I, I, I the, the, one of the things that bugs me is stuff. I, I also don't like, um, to me, the perfect joke in a movie that captures it is, um, in the Royal Tenenbaums when, um, Owen Wilson's character, um, can't remember his name, right? the character's name right now, but when he's, um, Eli Cash, Eli, yes. When Eli is talking about, um, his, uh, his book, old Custer, yeah, and he's like, everyone knows that Custer died at B- Little Bighorn, but this book presupposes, what if he didn't? <laughs> like that—that that to me captures like how we handle prequels. Mm-hmm. Then that mindset is, we all know the story, but here's the real story. I, I hate when that happens. When when they use that, like you think you know everything there is to know, right? And when you do a prequel, and they they kind of highlight this in the Birth Movies Death article, I was talking about. Prequels rarely do service to the story they're preceding. Right. I mean, 
when you, that, I mean, that's, that's the unfortunate benefit of making a prequel. That, the, the story that, the story that comes after doesn't really matter anymore right. because the, what comes after is supposed to be the most important story in that person's life, not what came before. And, uh, George Lucas, uh, blame him. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is, is that what, what George Lucas doesn't seem to understand is that, um, all of the important cool stuff that happens in the original star Wars trilogy is completely rendered null by, if you watch yeah. episode one, because then, you know, from the get go that, that Vader is Luke's father and spoiler alert. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that was a hacky joke. Um, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, you know that you don't, so the surprise doesn't mean anything right in that context for the audience. Um, yeah. and yeah, I don't, it's just, yeah. I mean, prequels are the idea of a prequel. Like I enjoyed, I really liked star Wars rogue one. I thought it was right. a really, really great Star Wars movie, and it's a prequel, and I enjoy, and I and I like what they did with it. But what I like what they did with it was, it was sort of it was sort of a side story. It was not the major event. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't fill a gap between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Right. Right. It it yeah. it just details. It just gives us on screen what is in the text crawl, basically. Yeah. And that's fine. It's an it, it's its own. It, I thought it's its own movie. It's a standalone movie telling a story, and it allows, and it allowed them to do something a little bit different with the Star Wars franchise than they had done before. In that they could make it more like a gritty, like it shows that there was a war, and it showed you know it, it just it, it it and it expanded the universe. I could talk about more and more about this. We've talked about it plenty in the episode, but um, I um, but yeah, no, I wish, I, and I think so. I think we should do an episode on prequels. Totally. Yeah, I do too. Because there's... We should, <laughs> we should do a prequel episode of Masters of Divinity. Mm, no. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, what would that be like? Well, and I, and I think, I mean, taking it to, the, to a biblical place would be interesting is um, there is a sense in which the book of Genesis is a prequel. Hmm. Um, this is actually, uh, Rob Bell um, did an episode with um he's a there's a rabbi friend of his that's on pretty regularly on his podcast on rob bell's podcast and uh he talks about how for jews exodus is really where the the, the book of exodus is where the story begins that really? genesis is the prequel huh. and there's a sense in which there's some truth to that because if you think about the story begins in exodus and that's really the main story that that you know that the jews find their cultural identity through and so that's the story that's recorded. But then after the fact, someone decided to compile this mythology and to compile these oral histories about people like Abraham and others to kind of get, but it like the whole point of Genesis is to lead up to Exodus. Um, but I will say that it doesn't impoverish the story of the Exodus. Like you said, it doesn't, it, 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 it didn't service to it. So it doesn't render it right. moot, but it's one of these things, though, that when you understand that, you can see how Genesis is crafted to be reflective of Exodus, and right. which kind of undercuts a very fundamentalist interpretation of that book. But um, anyway, but I think that that's a that's a thing we could talk about in an episode. Yeah, I I, uh, I tweeted at Ryan Johnson tonight, um, director of Star Wars Episode Eight. <laughs> yes, uh, the last Jedi. Uh, because if you haven't heard, audience, um, he has been 
uh, hired by Lucasfilm to write and direct his own Star Wars trilogy uh, that will take place in a corner of the galaxy we've never explored before. That was the official announcement. I tweeted him today. Uh, I'm going to have faith that he read it. Uh, he did not like it or retweet it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I basically am hoping that this new trilogy that he's that he's uh, helming, even though it takes place in a, in a far off corner of the galaxy, I, I, I hope it's either takes place in the current timeline or like, I don't know, ahead of it. I hope it's not like some kind of old Republic thing, you know, or it's not like filling in some gap or uh, I, I hope it really is, does exist on its own. I really do hope it's like current because uh, I feel like that would, if that's successful, it'll take us away, at least take the industry away from relying on these prequel ideas. Yeah. It would also be kind of cool if um, no lightsabers show up in the entire. That would be interesting. Trilogy. That'd be really um, fun. Or, or maybe if you do have it, maybe you could do it where it's like if it's concurrent with the original trilogy or the current trilogy, like maybe it's some Jedi who managed to get to this corner of the galaxy and hide out and was never found by Vader and survived and maybe even somehow trained other Jedi. I mean, there's things that you could do with it. And there's a few of those. What? There's a few of those. Uh, the Jedi, of Jedi who escaped Vader. Right. But like, I don't know, but I'm just saying like you could have a, you could, I mean, it's a pretty well-trod story, but I mean, you could use that as like a, not the main character though, but like, you know, a background character. Like, I don't know, give me an, give me an old, decrepit, ineffective Jedi yeah, um, or something. I don't know. I, um, and and also there's a, that there's also a Disney, uh, Star Wars television series in the works as well. And I also hope that is like either present or like. I don't know. It's taking place after what we're seeing. Yeah, I don't know. Star Wars is uh, Disney is definitely definitely putting a lot of its uh, a lot of its energy into the Star Wars these days um, mm -hmm. with that theme park, Galaxy's Edge, and oh, yeah. uh, and all of that. They're they are really they're really banking on that Star Wars, and that's fine. Um, I mean, the Avatar's right there, but you know they they <laughs> they're, they're they're just doubling down on that Star Wars, and that's that, that's cool, I guess. I mean. You know, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, if anything's been proven in Star Wars, it's that um, all the Star Wars stories that need to be told have been told, whereas you've got an entire um, diverse ecosystem um, in the Andromeda Gal or in, um, in Alpha Centauri um, that you could and tell no, no prequels. Kind of stories. And no prequels. There's, it's no a complete break. It's, it, it, oh, it's practically a complete a blank page for you to write whatever story you want. You know, you could... You could tell the story about a Navi who was brought to Earth and treated like a sideshow clown and a, and a thing. Or you could, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff you could do with it. But uh, you know what? I, 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 what would I? But I, I, I wouldn't know anything about that, as Kermit <laughs> the Frog would say while sipping his tea. Nice, nice audio meme. Um, but yeah, no. So, uh, so Star Wars, Star Trek is cool. Uh, uh, yeah, it is cool. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm looking at uh, these Nike sneakers that they wore on Discovery, and I'm thinking about buying a pair. What? They wore sneakers on Discovery? Yeah. Why? Nike? Well, they're, they're working out. They're, like, jogging. But did they have the Nike logo on them? Uh, yeah. In the episode? I think so. So you mean to tell I mean, me, they... in the Federation, 
where there is no money anymore, they still have corporate branding. Hold on. Maybe. I don't know. I have to. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure about this. I need to look it up real quick. Also, uh, let me let me take a let's take a moment to appreciate something else that uh, that maybe I talked about when we did our episode about Star Trek Beyond. Um, but is um, while I like the move to have Kirk be a fan of the Beastie Boys, <laughs> it does bring up since I'm allowed to be a nitpicky Star Trek fan. It does bring up a very interesting paradox. Because um, the lyrics to Intergalactic involve the phrase, um, get a pinch in the neck from Mr. Spock. That's true. And the music video to to check it out features the three Beastie Boys beaming down to the planet in classic Trek uniform. So does that mean that Kirk... does Does that mean the Star Trek TV show exists in Kirk's past? I don't know. Maybe they will explore that in the movie, or maybe maybe it's a it's a parallel universe. Maybe the BC Boys, in fact, made references to the Galaxy Quest TV show. <laughs> or maybe the Beastie Boys in that universe, there is no Star Trek TV series, but they were maybe maybe they time traveled, or that Spock visited them. Oh, that would be. Oh, there's an episode, or there's there's a fan fiction script right there. <laughs> Is that the BC boys in the a time travel a time travel Star Trek episode where they have to travel back to the late tw- or to the early twenty first century, and or late twentieth century? That's when inter- that's when um, 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 license to ill right was that license? No, it was. Yeah. Um, is this is this yeah. is this Kelvin timeline? Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, Kelvin Kelvin's. timeline. They went back in time. Um, I'm st- I bet there's an IDW comic that deals with this where they encounter where the Beastie Boys accidentally encountered Spock. Um, and he pinched somebody, and they were like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Mr. Spock." And they came up with the lyric. I bet that exists somewhere. <laughs> Some well, Mr. Spock, that. that's an ill name. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, pitch it to the Calvinists. They'll uh, we'll come up with something. Calvinists. Um, uh, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at still photos from the episode of Discovery where these sneakers are are portrayed, uh, and I do not see logos on them. So okay, okay. okay. Well, that's good. Somebody, somebody, somebody did something right there. Okay. <laughs> but they are definitely sneakers. Because if they were, if there was branding on it, that'd be like when John Peters wanted to have corporate sponsorships on Batman's costume. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. Um, for the original for the nineteen eighty nine Batman film. Wow. Um, That's funny. How many episodes does a podcast need to do about Thanksgiving? One. Exactly. We had our Thanksgiving episode, right? Right. Did we? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So I don't. Pretty sure we did. I mean, like we, to be fair, what we else did, did we have to say about Thanksgiving? We did do an episode. We did we did do uh, an episode where almost all of it we talked about candy. I'm pretty sure we could do an episode <laughs> where we talk about Thanksgiving food. But I think we did that episode already. Probably. I mean, all Thanksgiving is is a commercial for Christmas. <laughs> it's a prequel to Christmas. It's a prequel to Christmas because it was made later in history. Yeah. <laughs> and it's disappointing every time. It kind of is, right? <laughs> yeah. Except in my household, we do lobster tails on Thanksgiving. So, ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, Florida mm-hmm. style, baby. All right, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you you enjoyed our our chat about Star Trek. We hope it makes you feel thankful that there's lots of gratitude in your heart. Um, hopefully, the trip to Pan is not kicked in and you are sleeping through this episode. Because <laughs> um, you know what, watching... it, you you should definitely be listening to this instead of watching football because football's terrible. 
Um, but I, I would forgive them, Chuck, if they were, if they decided to watch planes, trains, and automobiles. That seems like a is that, is that that sounds like a really decent Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, that is a great. I mean, it's all about Thanksgiving. That's, I guess it's true. That is true. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's been yeah. a while since I've seen it, but you're right. Yeah. Or was it Christmas? I don't know. Anyway, you know what? Watch it. It's a good movie anyway. Yeah. Great movie. John Candy, Steve Martin. Wonderful pairing. Unbeatable. Uh, so watch that. Uh, and have a wonderful holiday and a wonderful week. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.